The coronavirus pandemic is putting an end to the longest economic expansion in U.S. history. We are going into a global recession. We're in an economic downturn. The world is now in recession. Recession uh, in the next quarter or two because everything is shutting down, of course. This is an extraordinary disruption. It's almost like a meteor hit the entire planet. There's no way to sort of even get the calculus on how big of a disruption this is because it's really bringing the major parts of the U.S. economy to a virtual standstill. Consumer spending is over two-thirds of the U.S. economy. You knock out the consumer and you knock down the economy in an extraordinary way. We're not only knocking out the consumer, we're shutting down factories. There is no precedent for a crisis like this. so much for downloading today's episode of Carl Buys Houses. My name's Carl Krenzel, your host here today, here to help you with your real estate questions. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode. I am so grateful for the fact that you've downloaded today's episode. Today, what we're going to talk about is the great lockdown, the worst economic downturn since the great Depression. Now, before you get mad and start calling the Real Estate Association on me, that's not me saying it. That's the International Monetary Fund. That's their blog that's uh, saying this. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what everybody apparently seems to know, except for a handful of stubborn people. People who seem to think that politics or policy outweighs reality. However, what we're going to talk about today are some of the things that this great lockdown has caused with respect to real estate here in Arizona. Now, I'm going to be honest with you in advance. If you do not like opinion pieces, then this is not going to be the podcast for you. I'm going to be honest with you. This is strictly my opinion and why I feel the way I feel. Now, if you're not of that opinion, please uh, check out some of my other podcasts, maybe some of my blogs that are not politics or somewhat other related. But we are going to talk about some things today that are going to be hurtful to the average consumer, people who do not want to hear this kind of language, people who, and I'm not talking about cussing, but what I'm talking about is some very direct, honest language about what the reality of the situation is. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. And I got to be honest with you, I get so much grief. Oh, you'd be shocked. All the complaints, the hate mail, the trolling, the complaints to the board. I mean, ugh, I've heard it all. And I've heard I've heard it told that I'm a predator because I'm out here trying to scare the public into, into selling their houses for on the cheap. No, not at all. Let me tell you something right from the get-go. Um, as much as I want to buy your property, I... It has to make sense for everybody. And if you're losing money on your sale, well, then you're not going to sell it to me. That makes common sense. Not to mention the fact that I have no dog in this fight. I'm not trying to get you to list your home with me. I'm not trying to get you to buy a home from me. No, as a matter of fact, I do these podcasts because I enjoy podcasting. 
right? I mean, I enjoy going out and talking about real estate and the issues of the day and how it affects the real estate market here in Tucson. Now, of course, I have a different opinion. And my opinion is obviously colored by my experiences. And I'll be very honest with you. I have some colored and checkered experiences when it comes to economic downturns. You know, I, I, as many of you know, I was an REO agent, still am. I still represent banks, represent them in their foreclosures. And I see the negative side of bad financial decisions. And I have been there. I can't tell you how many times I have been there where I have knocked on the door of somebody's home and said, hey, guess what? You're going to have to move. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the owner of the home wasn't making the payments and now you've got to be moving. You know, it's not a lot of fun for somebody who's sitting there on the inside of a property and has nothing to do with it. They don't know anything about it. Let's go ahead and check into this article today. What I'm going to talk with you about is the great lockdown, the great, the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. Now, I'm going to leave an article link there for you, and I'm going to have you encourage you to read this article for yourself, but I'm going to go through this article with you, and I'm going to hit some high points along with some commentary on the side, and I'm going to tell you about how this is affecting real people right now. You know, as a matter of fact, there's a couple trying to move downsizing into a property, but guess what? Their whole situation got screwed. And there's another couple who's now found themselves found themselves homeless. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to interject with some of what the Fed has done, you know, in, in the absence of Congress and the president to actually take action. You know, it, 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 I'll be honest with you, uh, the Fed has at least tried to do something. Now, I know a lot of what I'm going to say is really unpopular, so please take it with a grain of salt. I'm telling you from my opinion what I think, and before you think I'm an anti-Trump this or pro-Clinton that or what, I, I, I have no dog in this fight, okay? I am not denigrating the president. I think the president you know, has, has his opportunity to, to do the best he can, and, and you know, God bless him. I, I wish him nothing but success. But there are things he could have done better. And I'm going to be honest about them. You know, I'm not going to be beholden to party or politic. I'm not going to be beholden, be beholden to economic situation or, or your, your, your good favor. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think regardless of what you do. Now, I know that's a common, uh, a foreign concept to some people. But believe it or not, there was a day in time where you could go out and say exactly what you felt. And then people would respect you despite the fact that they disagreed with you. And I recognize that may be a tall order to ask these days. But today, let's go ahead and talk about this great lockdown, the worst economic downturn ever since the Great Depression. This was written by Gita Gopinath uh, from the International Monetary Fund. You'll find this on their blog and a link also in the article of the podcast says the world has changed drastically in the three months since our last update of the World Economic Outlook in January. A rare notice of the quarantines and social distancing practices to condemn the contain the pandemic. The world has been put on a great lockdown and the magnitude and speed of collapse and activity that has followed is unlike anything experienced in our lifetimes. Now, I'd like to add, 
you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of real estate experience and I'm not going to denigrate them. I'm not going to say they don't know what they're talking about. They have no experience because I recognize there are people out there who have a lot more experience than I do. However, I think there's certain things that we could all agree on. And this is one of them, that the magnitude and speed of collapse of activity that has followed this has, has never been seen before. Not 9-11, not the Great Recession, and probably not even the Great Depression. The April World Economic Outlook projects a global growth in 2020 to fall to negative 3%. This is a crisis like no other, and there is substantial uncertainty about its impact on people's lives and livelihoods. A lot depends on the epidemiology of the virus, the effectiveness of the containment measures, and the development of therapeutics and vaccines, all of which are hard to predict. In addition, many countries now face multiple crises, a health crisis, a financial crisis, and a collapse in the commodity prices, which interact in complex ways. You see, a lot of people tend to think, gosh, Carl, I think you're doing a lot of this doomsday prediction stuff because it's great for clicks or it's great for uh, clickbait or something like that. No, this is a a topic that needs to be discussed. It's irrational, in my opinion, to say that this real estate market is going to suddenly spark Bark back into shape at May 1st. I don't know about your home, but around my home, even in my home, there are split decisions about what people should or shouldn't do. Now, I got to be honest with you. If, if it's the same way in your home, chances are it's the same way in a lot of other people's homes too. And if it's the same way in a lot of other people's homes, come May 1st, there is going to be a wide disparity about who's willing to go back to work. Why? Because you have a multitude of things going on. It's not just a health crisis. Okay, it might have started out that way, but now it's morphed into something much more difficult. You know, it's a lot of times where people, uh, it's almost like a Hegelian dialect where they'll, well, they'll, the, the government creates the problem and then becomes the rescuer of the problem. It's like the, the, they become the, the fireman as well as the arsonist. Let's read on. It says, a lot depends on the epidemiology of the virus, the effectiveness of the containments, as we mentioned. It's a health crisis, a financial crisis, and a collapse in commodity prices. As we mentioned, policymakers are providing unprecedented support to households, firms, and financial markets. And while this is crucial to the strong recovery, there is considerable concern about what the solution is. Under the assumption that the pandemic and the required containment peaks in the second quarter for most countries in the world and recedes in the second half of the year, The April World Economic Outlook, we project global growth in 2020 to fall to negative 3%. This is a downgrade of 6.3 percentage points from January 2020, a major revision over a very short period. This makes the Great Lockdown the worst recession since the Great Depression and far worse than the global financial crisis. Assuming that the pandemic fades in the second half of 2020 and that policy actions taken around the world are effective in preventing widespread firm bankruptcies, extended job losses, and a system-wide financial strain, we project 
global growth in 20 to 21 to rebound to 5.8%. Holy cow. Could you imagine? That's a tall order. Assume it. I'm going to read that again because I know sometimes when I read things, you know, it kind of, you get fuzzy headed. It just kind of goes right over your head. But let me read that real quick. Just this one thing. Assuming that the pandemic fades in the second half of 2020, that's June. And, right, that the policy actions taken around the world are effective in preventing the following things, right? What are they, what are they hoping they will prevent? They'll prevent widespread firm bankruptcies. Do you think that's likely? Do you think that the policies taken by the United States government right now are going to be effective at preventing widespread firm bankruptcies here in America? Have you got your small business check yet? I'm curious, did you? How about that stimulus check? How far is that $1,200 or $700 or whatever you got how far is that going to go to paying your bills? What if you're already, I don't know, what if you're one of those people right now who are, are already overextended in your bank account? What if you've got no money in your bank account and you're maybe in a negative, maybe you're in the red? Has that unemployment check come yet? What if you're an independent contractor? You don't qualify for that. Oh, that's right. The law said you qualify for it. How about that? Did you get that yet? Assuming that the policy actions taken around the world are effective in preventing widespread, widespread firm bankruptcies. How about these restaurants right now? How, they're, how, how are they doing? How about all the waiters and the waitresses that have been let go? The 17 million Americans that have been filed for unemployment. Are they, are they part of that firm that's not going to go bankrupt? How about the policy actions around the world being effective at preventing widespread job losses? Well, that doesn't seem to be going so well. Pardon my critique, but 17 million unemployment claims strains in even the most effective systems. They're overwhelmed in most places. And in a lot of places, the lines are so long. In, and for example, I, I believe it's a, a back east country, a back east state, I believe is a, I don't know, state uh, like Florida, North Carolina, one of those like that, where they have an older system. People actually have to line up. They're really trying to keep that web, web presence up and they're having a hard time because web, the website always crashes. How effective is the, the, the policy and actions taken around the world at preventing system-wide financial strains? How, how effective is that right now? We just printed out $2 trillion worth of qualitative easing. $2 trillion to be spent in a stimulus package of money that we don't have. And then the Fed decided to go ahead and expand the reserves. They went ahead and leveraged out another $4 trillion. All this while Congress is still arguing about what to do. How effective are the policy actions taken around the world to prevent system-wide financial strains? Take a look at your mortgage servicer. Your mortgage servicers right now are screaming because they've been noticing that the forbearance requests have been going skyrocketing through the roof. Two million people or more. What is it? I think I, I, think I read a report of 1,689% increase in a month. 
forbearance claims, those are people who are not going to be able to buy houses, okay? I'm sorry. If you quarantine or, or, or hold up a whole group of people inside their home for months on end and they can't make a paycheck and now they're already upside down, how are they going to make money? They're going to have to pay fees. There's going to be problems all the way around. All right, well, let's just keep going. Let's stay positive, right? Uh, stay positive. That's the key. We project global growth in 2020 round to rebound to 5.8% if those are effective in preventing widespread firm bankruptcies, extended job losses, and system-wide financial strains. As long as those things happen, then they're going to have growth in 2021 to 5.8%. That's what the IMF says says this recovery in 2021 is only partial as to the level of economic activity as projected to remain below the level we projected for 2021. They are projecting that the cumulative output loss from 2020 to 2021 from the pandemic crisis could be out, oh my goodness, could be around $9 trillion. If you add up all the loss, the output loss, you're working, your friends working, your mom, your dad, everybody working, putting, contributing, $9 trillion worth of loss. You're going to tell me that you could have a financial storm hit America, it's going to cost trillions of dollars, and your, your economy is going to snap back like that. That's what's going to happen? Is that what you're saying? Is that why I keep getting all these complaints to the realtor board? Is that why? Because I read these IMF reports to you. Is that why this is? You know, this is truly a global crisis as no country is spared. Countries reliant on tourism, travel, hospitality, and entertainment for growth are experiencing particularly large disruptions. Emerging market and developing economics, uh, excuse me, economic, econo yeah, economies face additional challenges with us unprecedented reversals in capital flows as global risk appetite wanes. What does that mean? Everybody's getting scared because there's no cash. Everybody's holding on to it. There's not, there's not so much a credit problem. There's a liquidity problem. Everybody's saying, oh, the interest rates are so low. The interest rates are so low. You can go out and buy a house on the cheap, Carl. It's practically a giveaway. Great. What does that do for you if you don't have a job? If you're one of the 17 million plus people who've already lost their job and, 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 and are unlikely to get another, or if you're one of the 2 million plus people who've already filed for forbearance or are fixing to in the next two weeks, how likely are they going to be buying a house in the next 18 months? I'll wait. I'll read on. It says, for the first time since the Great Depression, both advanced economies and emerging market and developing economies are in recession. Okay, this is not just America. This is China. This is Mexico, Italy, France, Germany, the EU, Britain, you name it, the world. Emerging market and developing economies with normal growth levels well above advanced economies are also projected to have negative growth rates of negative 1% in 2020 and negative 2.2% if you exclude China. Income per capita is projected to shrink for over 170 countries. Let me ask you a question. If the income per capita 
is projected to shrink in over 170 countries, including America. What is the likelihood that they're going to go out and buy more steaks over at Texas Roadhouse? What's the likelihood they're going to give you a 20% tip if they're already broke? How likely is it for you to get that raise you need to help pay off the debts and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the interest fees and all the other fees you accumulated because you went into debt to try and make this happen while you were confined to your home? Both advanced economies and emerging market and developing, developing economies are expected to partially recover in 2021. That's the good news. If this works, if this works, this is what's going to happen. That's the good news. I'm not sitting here giving you the, the, the negative, the, 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 the doomsday version. No, I'm giving you the good news from the International Monetary Fund. They're saying, hey, guess what? In the United States, you're going to lose 6.9% of your GDP of your growth, I should say, six point. I'm sorry, six point. Uh, I'm sorry, wrong. Five point nine percent. I apologize. You're going to lose five point nine uh, uh, percent of your annual GP of your real GDP of your annual percentage. You're going to lose five point nine percent of your GDP this year. Now that may not seem like a much, but but that's a lot of money. But the good news is, in 2021. It's going to rebound to 4.7%. You're going to have a little bit of a growth. That's if, if they were effective at making sure the financial markets are not disrupted, that the health crisis doesn't get out of control, and that the stock market remains all right. That's what the good news is. What is the, what is the bad news? Well... What is described is the baseline scenario. That's just the baseline. But given the extreme uncertainty around the duration and the intensity of this crisis, we also can explore alternative, more adverse scenarios. The pandemic may not recede in the second half of this year, leading to longer durations of containment, worsening financial conditions, and further breakdowns of global supply chains. In such cases, the global GDP would fall even further. An additional 3% in 2020 if the pandemic is more protracted this year, while if the pandemic continues to flatten using lockdowns, then it will permit a resumption of economic activity. What do you think is more likely? What does your house say? There are those in my house who say that it's going to get worse, that it's going to be extended, that it's going to be protracted. There, there are those probably in your house who might say that, or, or maybe they might be of the opinion that things are going to get better. But regardless of what they do, by flattening the spread of the COVID-19 using lockdowns, this allows people to go ahead and, and cope with the disease, which allows for a resumption of economic activity. So in this sense, there's no trade-off between saving lives and saving livelihoods. 
you know, countries need to spend generously on health systems, perform widespread testing, and refrain from trade restrictions on medical supplies. Now, this is what their opinion is. A global effort must ensure that when therapies and vaccines are developed, both rich and poor nations alike have immediate access. Okay, fine, I agree, but I'm not so sure I want to take a vaccine. Thank you very much. But listen to this. While the economy is shut down, policymakers will still need to ensure that people are need to, need to meet their basic needs and businesses can pick up once again, once again after the acute phases of the pandemic pass. The large, timely, and targeted fiscal, monetary, and financial policies already taken by many policymakers, inclu including credit guarantees, liquidity facilities, loan forbearance, expanded unemployment insurance, enhanced benefits, and tax relief have been lifelines to households and businesses. This support should continue throughout the containment phase to minimize persistent scars that could emerge from subdued investment and job losses in this severe downturn. You know, I've, I've got to be honest with you. I'm not confident that this is not going to descend into some sort of pissing match between the president and the governors. And that's my fear because that's where we're at right now is we're finding the president at odds with the governors. And now we find a pact of governors making decisions about what they're going to do as far as opening or not opening their, 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 their states. And that is their right. That's the 10th Amendment. But it infuriates me when I hear the president say things like this. Steve, go ahead. There's a debate over what authority you have to order the country reopened. Uh, what authority do you well, have? Well, I have the ultimate authority. The president of the United States has the authority to do what the president has the authority to do, which is very powerful. The president of the United States calls the shots. If we weren't here for the states, you would have had a problem in this country like you've never seen before. You said when someone is president of the United States, their authority is total. That is not true. Who, who okay, you, you know what we're going to do? We're going to write up papers on this. It's not going to be necessary because the governors need us one way or the other because ultimately it comes with the federal government. That being said, we're getting along very well with the governors, and I feel very certain that uh, there won't be a problem. Has yeah, please, governor, go ahead. Has any governor agreed that you have the authority to decide when their state I haven't asked anybody. Because I no don't, you know why? Because I don't have to. Go ahead, please. But who told you the president has the total authority? No. Just, just to clarify your understanding of your authority vis-a-vis -vis governors, uh, just to be very specific. For instance, if a governor issued a state home when you say my authority, the president's authority, not mine, because it's not me. This is when somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. And that's the way it's got to be. Your authority is total. It's total. It's total. And the governors know that. The governors know that. Now you have a couple of bands of, of excuse me, excuse me. You have a couple. Could you rescind that order? You have a couple of bands of, uh, of uh, Democrat governors, but they will agree to it. They will agree to it. But uh, the authority of the President of the United States having to do with the subject we're talking about is total. But look, you said look. From the standpoint of the Constitution. Yes, Constitution. You, you thought it should be up to the governors. You can look at constitutionally, you can look at federalism, you can look at it any different way. John, the fact that I don't want to exert my power is much different. 
We have the power. You ask, does the federal government have the power? The federal government has absolute power. It has the power as to whether or not I'll use that power. We'll see. Well, that's not really true. I mean, obviously, the Tenth Amendment, I'm not going to go all into that because I'm not a constitutional scholar, but you don't have all the authority. It is up to the governors as to what they're going to do. And that's where the rub is. You know, for you and I as consumers, what we have to do as citizens, we have to talk to our governor about what's important to us. Now, I don't care which side you fall on this. But I do think it's important that you make your voice known because the IMF is predicting a major problem if we don't do something, if we don't do something soon to protect everybody. Now, before we go, I just want to go ahead and jump into a couple quick things about why this real estate shutdown is bad and help this help help you understand why this is a problem for somebody. Now, this is coming to us right out of Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Real Time News says the real estate shutdown in Pennsylvania wreaks havoc and some face two mortgages and others have no home. Yeah. Mickey Stowe and her husband Donald are in their 70s and wanted a maintenance-free home. So they got on a waiting list for an apartment complex they liked and signed a contract when a unit opened up that fit their specifications. The next step was to put their Dillsburg home on the market. But that's when the novel coronavirus hit, shutting down businesses across Pennsylvania, including the real estate industry. Under Governor Wolf's shutdown orders, realtors are not considered life-sustaining, so they are forbidden from doing any person real work. That means Stowe's real estate agent, Bob Lehman of REMAX First Advantage, cannot visit their home to help them set a price, stage their home, or take photos. He can't even place a sign in their yard or a lockbox on their door. Now, I recognize this is in Pennsylvania. And in Arizona, you're able to put your home on the market. But is that possible for long? I mean, is that something else? What, what else are they going to do? It says that the Stoves are worried about much more. On June 1st, they will legally be obligated to start paying rent on their apartment. And will they still be paying for their house too? Because now they can't put their home on the market, right? So similar scenarios are playing out all across the Commonwealth as buyers, sellers, and realtors grapple with the state's clampdown to put in place to stem the tide of COVID-19. The restrictions for real estate in Pennsylvania are tighter than any surrounding states, say real estate agents. Many other states, including New York and New Jersey, which are considered epicenters of the virus, have declared real estate essential and are allowing in-person services to continue under their social distancing guidelines. But in Pennsylvania, realtors say the governor has put his foot on the neck of the real estate industry, along with supporting businesses. Despite a March 28th declaration from the federal government that real estate services, including settlement services, should be considered essential critical infrastructure this is the problem when you have too much authority given to people it goes to their head you heard it from the president you're hearing it from the governor there despite the fact that people are allowed to do business they many states put they they say it's fine go ahead and you got to do what you got to do as long as you obey the rules in pennsylvania they say no what's to say that they won't do that here The situation has prompted several real estate offices to file a lawsuit against Wolf, asking him to grant the industry a waiver since shelter is vital. The Pennsylvania Association of Realtors filed a brief in support of that lawsuit. Look, I recognize that there are times where you need to be very judicious and you need to quarantine people who are sick. But when you 
quarantine people who aren't sick, that's tyranny. That's not quarantine. If you want to let people go out on a, wearing a mask, fine. But you can't stop the economy. And you can't keep printing money. I know that that's a common thing. Everybody thinks, well, what's a couple trillion more? We've already added trillions to the debt since in the last, we had five or six trillion every week. The Federal Reserve has taken unprecedented actions to help save the economy. And here's what they've done. They've done a host of things, right? So for example, from, from let's just say the last six weeks, some March 3rd, right? They did an emergency half point percentage rate cut Right, They did that so the banks could borrow at the discount window by one and a half percentage points and they cut the reserve requirement ratio for banks to zero. On March 17th, in the first slew of measures aimed at keeping credit flowing through the financial system, the Fed said that it would start buying commercial paper or the short-term unsecured debt that businesses rely on for operational cash. On the 18th, the very next day, another facility providing credit to help keep money markets functioning properly. On the 19th, new operation focused the currency swaps aimed at other institutions in need of dollar-dominated assets. On the 20th, the next day, an operation headed by the Boston Fed went up to buy municipal debt. March 23rd, an expansion of the Fed's originally announced asset purchases, which were supposed to max out at $700 billion, but are now unlimited, unlimited purchases, depending on the need to support the markets for the economy. They are printing money unlimited. Why do you even pay taxes? Why? Why should anybody pay taxes anymore? Why? Honestly, if you're going to print money by the trillions, why should any American homeowner or anybody pay taxes? Why? If you just print it out of thin air, what difference does it make? Print my share while you're at it. The purchases have already expanded the Fed's holding on its balance sheets by more than $2 trillion. And that was on the 23rd of March the same day, in addition to the next leg, neg, next leg of qualitative easing, the Fed also announced a $300 billion credit program for businesses and consumers. The initiatives included two credit facilities for large employers and an expanded term asset bank loan facility for businesses and consumers through the SBA and an expanded money market facility that includes municipal debt and CDs. Then a week later, what, two weeks later on April 6th, an announcement by the Fed, they'll provide support to the Treasury's payment protection plan aimed at incentivizing businesses not to lay off employees during the coronavirus-induced slowdown. What good does it do you if you print trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars? You give it to every bank, every home, every single person who asks, how can you not expect that this is going to result in hyperinflation? The risk right now to them is so great that this card, this house of cards is going to fall down. They're propping it up, hoping that you won't pay, them, pay attention by all the money they're printing. April 8th, a modification for asset restriction is placed on scandal-plagued Wells Fargo. Hello, Wells Fargo. Does that ring a bell to anybody but me? Those are the very same people who made up applications, who wrote applications out of the thin blue. And now, now, 
they've, 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 uh, now they're able to go ahead and participate in these business lending programs. Hmm. What could possibly go wrong? April 9th, in a coup de grace, $2.3 trillion lending program that will extend credit to banks to issue PPP loans and purchase up to $600 billion worth of loans issued through financial and business systems. Listen, I am not trying to scare you. I'm simply trying to express my frustration. My friends, I understand that for many people, this is distasteful. I recognize for a lot of people, this is something you don't want to talk about. You don't want to hear about. You know, this is like when you were a kid and the music stopped and somebody was out of a chair. All the chairs are being taken away one by one. Eventually, my friends, the music will stop. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to be real. Tell me what you think in the comments section below. Thank you for paying attention. And as always, have a powerful